Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experiences of field, and to share our members' stories. Thanks for tuning in. Sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome in, everybody, to another new episode of the Turkey Call All Access podcast, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation. This week, we're heading to Vermont, the Green Mountain State. We're catching up with Nicole Meyer, Hunter Education and Outreach Coordinator for the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department. We're talking turkey hunting in the fall, edibles, cooking, all things that are great about Vermont and much, much more. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go. Tell me again about the new programs coming to Vermont for outreach and specifically the uh, the cooking show. Yeah, so we've got we've got a few really great great things coming up in the Vermont Hunter Education Program. We have a few programs that we have kind of been running. I don't want to say on the sly, but we've just kind of been running them really small scale, and we're trying to get them bigger. So now we're gonna publicize them a little bit more. You know, it's really nice to, when you're piloting programs, to just run them kind of small at first to work out all of the little details and the kind of little things that might go wrong or that you can improve. Mm -hmm. Or um, So we've been doing our Learn to Hunt series, which is a program focused on getting new adult hunters out into the woods and pairing them up with a hunting mentor. Um, our Learn to Hunt programs started actually in 2019 with a learn to hunt spring turkey event that we co-hosted with you guys with nwtf um up at the northwood stewardship center which is in the northeast kingdom of vermont really gorgeous area it's an awesome area yeah um and just incredible habitat you know um there's the uh Conti national wildlife refuge is right there that the nolhegan basin is just gorgeous filled with moose and grouse and turkeys and deer and there's just so much wildlife there, unbounded opportunity mm. to see wildlife there. And so we hosted our first learn to, learn to hunt program there in 2019. Um, we had adults from all over the state who were brand new hunters. And we found that a lot of them were interested in hunting from a foods perspective yeah. and wanting to know where your food came from, which was really interesting to me. Um, and so we've been trying to intentionally be more robust in our offerings around food. And, you know, since, since the pandemic started, we've been hearing all of these stories about food insecurity, you know, supply chain issues. Mm. They're not being food on the shelves. It's for a crazy the, for thing the, to think about. Like it doesn't, right? doesn't connect for some reason in my mind. We're starting to see it. Like yeah. I just went to the grocery store the other day and I was like, oh, this is, this is real. Yeah, it's real. And I think for a lot of folks, the pandemic, I, I know for me, you know, I'm, I'm in my thirties and I know for me that this is really, truly the first time that I have experienced. I, I'm very privileged that this is the first time in my life that I've really experienced scarcity in mm. my life. Um, I, I was lucky enough to grow up always having food on the table and not having to worry about or think about where my food came from, which is a blessing and a curse, right? Sure. Not to worry about where your food came from because then it's blocked out of 
your mind what happens when you buy meat in the grocery store, right? You become desensitized to to that. Did your parents hunt? Um, my parents didn't hunt. Okay. Um, we come from a big fishing family, though, so it was very regular for mm. us to be fishing. I grew up on Long Island, and and we did a lot of um, striper fishing. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, yeah, a ton of fun. Um, a lot of crabbing and clamming and stuff like that. So, so I grew up like, I grew up with some kind of sense of like, yeah, we we go fishing and then we eat the fish and that's really cool and um, more of a novelty. That I guess so. The reason my yeah. my question is like, as you brought that up, I started thinking about my own upbringing and same thing. Just fished, right? Yeah. Uh, no hunting. I was a kind of an onset adult hunter in my early twenties. Same. Yeah. And. Um, you don't consider it right so it's like you can play semantics with it privilege fortunate whatever it is but at some point someone in your lineage worked their tail off so that you could be in that position right so there yeah. was there was a an effort put forth by a generation or two before you so that you could be there but i think what's interesting like with with our community with hunters especially if mom and dad especially if mom is into it the kids have a well-adjusted understanding of where that comes from, what that all means and what that sacrifice is. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, like I said, my, my parents never hunted and like you adult new adult hunter. I, I remember very vividly um, touching my first gun ever when I was 22 Hmm. and uh, and going hunting for the first time and thinking like, if I really ran across a deer, what the hell would I do? <laughs> and then like walking out of the woods that day and thinking like, Oh, I'm really glad I didn't Kinda see relieved. anything. <laughs> yeah. Like a little, like a little sense of relief and also sadness. Yeah, yeah. But then I went, but then I went back to like all my friends who hunted and was able to like talk to them about like, Oh yeah. I walked out to the edge of the field and walked down the fence and, and it, you know, it was, it was this whole new community then was opened up to me that I had gone hunting for the first time. So there was like this huge social piece of it that had just been opened up to me. I could connect with a bunch of my hunting friends in a whole new and different way that I thought was really cool. But then there was also that food side of it. And I remember the first time I killed a pheasant and I was like, this is chicken breast. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, I was like, <laughs> you start this correlating is it to the common stuff, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, at 22, I was an idiot. Like, I didn't, you know, you don't know anything when you're 22. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm still an idiot in a lot of. I hear you. The sense of this, yeah. Um, uh, you know, so so when I opened up that pheasant for the first time, I just remember thinking like, oh, this is food. Yeah. And, and that was such a revelation to me, even going through my first hunter ed class, um, back when I was 22, the instructor never really talked about hunting as food, or sure. if he did, it, it, it didn't, it didn't stick with me. Um, but, but killing that pheasant for the first time and opening it up and breasting it out, my friend, my friend showed me how to breast it out. And, I was just like, wow, this is food. This is a chicken breast. And that opened up a whole new motivation for me. At first it was just, I wanted to do it because it's what my friends were doing. And I 
had this whole new perspective about hunting as conservation, which I never knew, which I never understood. Sure. Um, and that was all new to me too. Um, but so I had that awesome community piece and then I have this really amazing food piece too. And it was just like all these puzzle pieces were coming together. And then here in Vermont, when I got the job working for the Hunter Ed program here in Vermont, um, we started working with the local food system here. And my my now really great friend, Shane Rogers, um, was doing a lot with the local food system and trying to connect the local food scene in Vermont, which I, I think a lot of the local food scenes are seen as very like crunchy granola co-op type people. Yeah. yeah. Which I totally 100% am. I'm like, I'm very crunchy. I, uh, <laughs> my Tupperware is all like sour cream containers, leftover sour cream containers. Well, that's just and recycling. like, that's just being, you know, I do the same I learned thing. From, I learned from my grandmother. Um, like I, you know, we opened you know, you open up that, that, that like blue tin of the sugar cookies and it's all her sewing stuff. And yeah, I'm, sure. I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm a 90 year old woman in the body of a 30 something <laughs> year old. Um, but you know, yeah, like I, you know, I buy local, I pride myself on, on buying local. I pride myself on, um, you know, going to the foods co-op when I can to buy as local as I possibly can to help sustain our farmers and contribute to our local economy. And um, that is not so far-fetched from hunting and fishing, right? And I mean, I, I like to equate it to, I, I said to someone once, you know, going hunting for your own local wild meat is not that different from growing a vegetable garden mm -hmm. in the back. It, it's, it, in fact, it's, it's, it's even a lower impact activity to go hunting than it is to like sure. go to the store, buy seeds, get seeds shipped to you, build your garden beds, buy your soil or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then depending on the crop you're growing, what is that actually taking out of the actual soil you're growing exactly. in and considering all that and the, the displacement and the value that, you know, the cost mm -hmm. benefit to that particular crop corn is an example. Absolutely. So. There's so many things to think about. And, mm. you know, I'm just, I'm, I, I feel so lucky that I'm able to do this work as part of my job right. because it's, it's something that I feel so strongly about, especially coming to hunting as, as an adult and coming to it with, these different perspectives. Um, it's, it's just so much. So we, so we do this really ever since COVID started, uh, we've been working with a few different partners right now. We're working with, um, rural Vermont. They are an organization that, um, uh, does work with local farmers. Um, and so we partner with them to do a monthly, cooking show on Facebook live. And the beauty of it is it's all local wild food. Mm -hmm. So we feature usually a fish or a game animal or wild mushrooms or wild plants and other wild plants. Um, and usually some farm cultivated product, whether it be milk or, um, squash or whatever it is. And, and we show how those, those, 
those two things, the local, the local food system and hunting are not separate. They are intimately connected. Mm. And you think about those generations of people who came before us who were hunting and foraging and had their farms. I mean, think back even to pre-colonial times when here in Vermont, the um, Abnaki people that, who are still here and still doing all of this, mm -hmm. right? You know, they were the first hunters and anglers and wild foragers. And, and it's not separate. No. It's not like, that's what I'm, it's not separate. It What's is so connected. What's interesting to me is your this line of thought and we're talking this out and <clears throat> excuse me, the you know, the whole local warism movement over the last handful of years and and what that motivation is. It's it's funny to me when you consider that it's a very basic primal need mm -hmm. that human beings have been hunting since the dawn of time, since you know, they decided meat tastes good. Yeah. Uh and and only in our very recent history did it become fashion. Right. So mm -hmm. the motivation wasn't necessarily for sustaining life and, you know, surviving. Uh, it was a, yeah. it's a social event and, and it very much still is. But I find it, it just everything kind of comes full circle. Right. Like mm -hmm. mom jeans and, 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 and <laughs> you know, tie dye are popular right now. It's kind of crazy to me. Yep. But it all comes around again. And, yeah. and our basic need to eat and our basic cravings. And that that interest, yeah, there may be a little fashion to it, I think, in some sex, which is fine, whatever motivates you, right? Um, but there's a more uh, holistic interest at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's not yeah. about, uh, and I'm encouraged by this, mm -hmm. it's not about scores, it's not about record books, mm -hmm. it's about can I do this? Can I do this for my family? Can I do this for me? Can I do this for my community? Because um, as, as you well know, I mean, as soon as we put a deer down or a turkey, like what do we do besides a couple of pictures and calling some friends? Like, I want to share it. Like it's instantly yeah. like, I want to share this with somebody. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, that's exactly it. It's, and that wanting to share it, that again comes back to the, that community aspect mm. and how, wild game dinners, right? Or local community dinners, though that food is so rooted in community. Hunting is so rooted in Absolutely. community. Yeah, you're right. It it does. It all comes full circle. And when you see I I I think it's very poignant what you said about when moms hunt that they get their kids to appreciate it. Maybe not hunting themselves or, or maybe not hunting themselves, but at least there's some appreciation of it because there's that connection. And, you know, I'm, my son is going to be two next month and I brought home that Turkey from this fall hunt yep. and he was just so thrilled by seeing it. I mean, well, first of all, he looked at it and he said, muck, 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 muck. I was like, oh, no, we got to work on those animal sounds. Yes. Um, but, you know, th that is such a fantastic thing, too, is if I wasn't a hunter, the closest we'd be able to get probably to wild animals would be in zoos, which mm. is zoos have their place, I think. I have a lot of feelings about zoos, but yeah. I think overall zoos have their place. Sure. Um, but, but hunting just brings you so much closer than you can ever truly be to a wild animal. Unless you're, unless you're 
working as a wildlife biologist or doing some, but, and, and to be able to experience that as a family and talk about that as a family, I think is just such a fantastic thing. And there's nothing better for kids, I think, than being able to experience the natural world for themselves. You know, he was able to feel the turkey feathers and Mm. he said, Ooh, when he, when he, so when he touched the turkey feathers and I mean, I can't wait to have those conversations with him. And in fact, I'm going squirrel hunting this weekend with a few friends and I'm going to take my kid with me. I'm probably not going to stay too long, but I'm, I'm going to bring him with me. And I, you know, whether or not he sees us shoot a squirrel, it's going to be a great experience. Getting kids outside is one of the most important things that, that we can do. Yeah. So, and I'll tell you where I was this morning, there was plenty of squirrels. So if you got a place with some, uh, <laughs> there were no deer. Um, if you got a yeah. place with some acorns right now, that's where all the fat gray squirrels are. Um, oh yeah. They're taunting me in my backyard, right I where I can't you. shoot them. It's a great opportunity for the kids. Cause it's low impact, low, low um, effort as far yeah. as, you know, any all the scent and being still goes squirrels are pretty tolerant of people in, in, in the city or outside the city. Speaking of city, and that's where I wanted to go with this. So you're, you guys had this field to fork program and all that. And when you think of Vermont specifically, I, I certainly don't think uh, metropolitan, I don't mm-hmm. think big city centers. I don't think urban environments, uh, Montpelier, Manchester. Uh, what are some other bigger Waterbury? Is that a Burlington, city? Burlington, right? Rutland. So, um, yeah. These are all very rural cities, if you will, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of a yeah. contradiction, but it's not. I mean, if you've been to these places, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Rutland is yeah. a perfect, perfect example of that. So you see a diverse crowd of people getting in to our community as of late, mm-hmm. brought on by the pandemic or not. Uh, they're coming and they're coming in droves. It's very exciting to have, especially, you know, grown folks coming into this on their own volition. Uh, this is something I wanted to do and I'm just doing it. Yeah. Um, what is, what does that look like in Vermont? You know, is, are there, is there a, is there this uh, outpouring of, I got to do this coming out of, you know, the built up urban environments of Vermont? That's a good question. Um, so this fall, we held our first Learn to Hunt Whitetail Deer event. And I'll tell you that many of the people who came to it were from were from city centers, like you said. Yeah. And many of them had been around hunting in their life, had seen it in some way. My uncle did it, but I never did. I got some interest here. And then I saw this local food guy cooking up wild meat. It's a very, it's very interesting in Vermont because I think that, I think that those folks who are coming from the city centers, many of them are the same people who, like I just said, they shop at the natural foods co-op. Yeah. They're, they're crunchy granola people. They're already doing a lot in the outdoors, right? They're already familiar with um, hiking and how to safely hike. They have hiking. They're not starting from scratch, which a lot of, with a lot of this stuff, which is really, which is really great. Um, They come to it with some kind of foundation Mm. of the outside world. And I think that that is also Vermont kind of lends itself to that because like you said, Vermont has a very quote unquote rural cities. 
So people in the cities in general are engaging in the outdoors, usually in some kinds of ways, whether it be uh, kayaking, canoeing, hiking, biking, whatever. It's not whatever. Very far away, right? None it's of not, it is. It's not yeah. like you're living in Boston proper on the South right. End or in New York City where it takes a concerted effort just to get yeah. out. Right. Right. That's exactly it. None of it is very far away. You know, mm. I live... I live three miles outside of downtown Montpelier, but my two closest neighbors are a cornfield and a dairy farm. That's fantastic. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great for me for like goose hunting. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, and turkey hunting for that matter. But, you know, we're very lucky in that regard. And I think in Vermont too, many people are very, they, we've seen a migration of people during the pandemic mm. to Vermont and, and that's caused a housing crisis for Vermonters. And that's a whole other story, but, yeah, yeah. but the folks that you're seeing coming in from the pandemic want to be here because they want to be close to the outdoors and it's very accessible here in Vermont. And a big part of Vermont culture is that culture of hunting. And I think a lot of people are, are kind of surprised by that, that Vermont is such a liberal state. We're the home of Bernie, but we're also the home of some of the least restrictive gun laws in the nation Yeah, and the lowest rates of firearm incidents in the nation too, or firearm related violence. And it's because of our strong ethic around firearms and around hunting and it's also because of our strong tradition of hunter education and our our fantastic, I mean, truly our fantastic hunter education program. And we have a lot of people who take hunter education just because they're interested in firearms. Mm. Um, and hunter ed is a really great place for them to start with that. And then we also get all of that conservation messaging out to them. Yeah, so that's pretty, sure. that's pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I totally derailed that question. No, that's fine. Because <laughs> it's going to a place I, I love talking about. Talking with Nicole Meyer, Hunter Ed, uh, an outreach specialist uh, for the state of Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department. So this is a drum I beat constantly, and, and people that follow the podcast or know me probably get bored of me talking about it. But it's a point I like driving home is that we don't fit into these perfect little squares these stereotypes, I mean, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason because over time they build and, you know, this is what happens with humans. We, we do that. Right. But like Vermont is this perfect example of what you said. It's the home state of Bernie Sanders, liberal as liberal can be, but also has a rich tradition in conservation and hunting traditions and understanding being a, a responsible human being with firearms. It's a tool, not a, not a scary monster under the bed. So you can have the, the, ben, the Venn diagram, right? It can be all things. Yeah. We really can. Like every time we paint ourselves into these corners, politically speaking, especially like we limit our potential so much. And if we focus on what we agree on and focus on the things we have passion about, I mean, again, your whole entire state has it figured out. I don't know about that. Well, in, in, in totality, <laughs> right? I mean, the culture, the idea, the, you know, Recently, I think the only thing I see that ever comes out of Vermont is some people upset about coyote hunting. But for the most part, like there's not a lot of people attacking Vermont and its traditions, at least from the outside looking in. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, 
I I think recently we have seen more opposition. Yeah. Um, and we have been seeing some opposition from some groups who are small but make a lot of noise. Sure. Um, but we've found that many of their members are actually not even from Vermont. Right. They're, as often they're, as the case. Right. They're from other they live in California or they or live Germany in or Great Britain. <laughs> yeah, very many. You know, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't tell you all the places that they yeah. come from. But yeah, there's people coming from from all over. But in general, Vermonters, you know, Vermont's motto is freedom and unity, which I think is a very there's so many ways you can interpret that, I think, right? Oh, but go, it's most go hand in hand. It makes sense. They well, that's the thing. They're so they're they're so they're so separate, but so the same freedom and, and unity, right. Is like, is like, you are free to do what you want to do. Don't tell me what I have to do, Sure, but we're together in this at the end of the day. That's America and at its finest, right? I, I think it is. I truly think it is. Um, and I think that having good, lively debate and discussion is important, of course. Um, and I think that we've proven as a department and as a state and as a group of conservationists that the things that we love and enjoy are so intimately connected to the landscape, to our food system, to our communities, right? And and by being, I don't want to say by being loud about and proud about it, but by by not being afraid of those things that we believe in and that we do, we're showing everybody else that these that hunting is okay and in fact it's great and it's good. And if yeah. you want to try it, you can. But if you don't want to, that's okay too. Yeah. You know, um, and I understand that it's not for everyone. Killing animals is not for everyone. You know, right. my um I have family members and friends that could never see themselves doing what I do. And I totally respect that, but they also think that it's kind of cool what I do, that I can have this intimate closeness with nature and with my food. And I think it's really cool. It takes a different mindset. I mean, when you go to that place in your head and you're, you're doing it for, you know, specifically your motivations, I have my motivations, which are very much similar to yours. Like it's a, it's a reckoning, you know, yeah. you're, you're reconciling with, with the universe, with nature, with yourself, with your family. Like uh, this is a very mature and important decision I'm making to go out and do this and take life. It's not done lightly. Um, I don't cry over every squirrel or every turkey, but um, I definitely don't cry over every turkey. That's a that's a lot. <laughs> I'm proud. Uh, but there's, you know, that, that you go to this place in your head that you know, it's not this naive line of thinking of I just assume it comes prepackaged, hermetically sealed from the grocery store, right? Yeah. That's what I'm driving at. Yeah. Not yeah. everyone can yeah. get there, especially no. in you know 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's a testament to the industrialized food systems that we don't have to think about our food sometimes, right? When we buy it in the grocery store and it's a, it's a great thing and it's a dangerous thing to not have to think about it. Look what, look what happened in the pandemic. Yeah. Supply chain, you brought it up earlier. Like there were, and then what the heck was it? The hacking that went on? It shut down like meat processing. Yeah. I remember sitting there like, I'm going to drive up a meme on Facebook. I don't have that problem, you know, kind of 
but I meant it. It didn't. Right. Didn't have that right. problem. Right. Don't have that problem. Sounds like you should, that Kermit meme sounds like you should go hunting, but that's not any of my business, <laughs> exactly right. right? Or something like that. Right. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, and you know, and the funny thing is we've gotten some people interested in hunting, like I said, because of that and because of supply chain issues and uh, feeling food insecurity for maybe the first time. And, uh, when, when, when I say, well, you're not going to like sustain yourself just by hunting, (laughs) you know, like you're not, you are probably not going to be able to fill your freezer for all year the first year that you go out hunting you can't go out and just kill (laughs) that willow right 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 and then people are very surprised because i think people think that hunting is every time you go out hunting you kill something Uh, and that's kind of what i thought in in when i was not before i became a hunter i i definitely i thought like oh yeah you probably shoot something every time you go out Another, Um, another product of uh commercialized hunting Right, right. On TV and stuff. Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Elmer <laughs> Fudd did us no favors. that do it, and I don't, I don't begrudge <laughs> them, but there is, like everything, there's a there's a yin and yang to it, and that, yeah. that part of it has definitely created perceptions, you know, yeah. the people that are coming right. into it late, like, oh, I was yeah. expecting to go out here and just absolutely slaughter. Fill times right. every time, be done in two I see hours. Squirrels every, I see squirrels every day. Yeah. How hard can it be to yeah. just shoot one? Well, they are, they act very differently when I have a gun on me. (laughs) So, I mean, do you think you got a sampling? I mean, you've been doing this since 2013 with the, with the uh, agency. Mm -hmm. When you experience that with adults, like what's, what's the rate of loss? Like as far as like continuing on, especially with our three efforts, like you've recruited them and now how many are you retaining? Like, do people get in this and like get bummed because of that reaction? Well, we've tried to mitigate the being bummed. (laughs) Um, And the way that we've tried to do that is by pairing them with experienced hunting mentors. Mm -hmm. And so, right, it gets back to the community piece. If you've got someone who's kind of cheering you on and in your corner and talking to you about hunting and, oh, you know, the season starts in two weeks. Have you like patterned your shotgun or have you shot your bow at all? Um, you know, that's why we try to pair them with those mentors is, is to try to just increase the excitement and talking about hunting. Um, so we've been doing the learn to hunt program, uh, since 2019. And so far we've seen that everyone who's gone through that learn to hunt program has been purchasing a license every year. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, and we're following up on we're following up on all those folks who have done our program since then. And I mean, it's you know we only like I said we only started spring 2019 following groups mm-hmm. to see what they're doing, um, but we're trying to reach out to them too to say, well, what else do you what do you need, and and how can we help you? Um, so I can't say as far as you know we've done other before we started the learn, the more intensive learn to hunt programs, we were just kind of doing, um, half day, few hour seminars about butchering and species specific hunting. Um, and, and like laws and regulate things like that, like, like continuing ed for, for hunter ed, like getting more in depth. We didn't really keep track of what those people were doing because mm-hmm. there were just so many of them, sure. but with the learn to hunt program, 
we're able to kind of track these foot, and that sounds really big brothery, right? That we're tracking them. <laughs> but um well, you but need we to wanna, know the program's working. Yeah, we want to see how we're doing mm-hmm. and we want to see what else we can offer them to encourage them, keep them going. And it seems like I, I I mean, I think that pairing them up with mentors is really the way to go because then if two years later they have a question about well, how should I try fall turkey hunting? Or I haven't shot a turkey in two years. I need some tips. They've got someone right there that they can call. And and that's why too, we try to really push to new hunters involvement in a fish and game club so that they can start building up their community of hunting friends mm. so that they can bring back the stories and they can hear the stories and and have other people to to talk to about this stuff, to ask questions of, to go out hunting with, because as you know, that social support is the most important piece in keeping people hunting, totally. uh, you know, keeping them on that path. Like if you don't have someone to just talk about it or tell you that it's okay or good that you're doing, you're not, why do it anymore? If you don't have approval from a group of friends, why do it? why do it? Most people aren't going to do it. I think about like when I first started hunting, um, my parents were so surprised and they actively did not approve of it. Really? And yeah, well, because my, you know, my mom said, Nicole, I thought you wanted to save Bambi, not kill it. And Mm. she didn't understand that killing Bambi is, 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 Exactly. Sure. She didn't understand that killing Bambi was also actively saving the Bambies, right? Um, huge, huge point to drive home. Yeah. And probably and, one of your biggest obstacles in, in what you do. Yeah. So like that made me feel kind of bad that she thought that way. And my dad, my dad called me a killer. <laughs> he was like half joking, but also not. You wear that as a um, badge of honor now, right? I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, he called me and I remember like that felt bad, mm. but luckily I had this group of people behind me who were congratulating me. Oh my God, you shot a wood duck. Wood ducks are so small and they're so fast. How did you, how, you got great aim. Great job. You know? Sure. Um, so that felt really Great. And then, but I mean, now my mom is like my biggest cheerleader. I sent her a picture of the turkey that I shot last week. Mm-hmm. And she said, You finally killed me a Thanksgiving turkey. And she was so, <laughs> she was just so happy for me and so excited. So, I mean, communicating that stuff and just, just having that deep understanding of what hunting is um, and the education around it has really changed. It's changed my parents' minds at least. What is, so what do you think? I mean, talk about that. What do you think that for your mom, like what changed her mind? Is it just this need to support her child? Like moms do unconditionally or, <laughs> you know, over, over time, like, you know, you being a professional, did that help aid to it? Or was it a, a, a kind of a cornucopia of all of it? Yeah, I think it, I think, well, my mom loves me. So, um, um, you know, yeah, you know, she, she loves me and she supports me, but she just, in her mind, she just, again, she couldn't reconcile that saving 
I could save Bambi by killing it. And mm-hmm. I, I remember sitting down and explaining to my parents, Pittman Robertson Act, explaining to them the Migratory uh, Bird Treaty Act of 1918, mm-hmm. explaining to them where hunting license fees go and that they go directly toward conservation of all species and that my work that I do is funded by hunters and recreational shooters and, you know, how that funding structure worked. And that kind of clicked on a light bulb. And Mm. then I said to her, and then I said to her, you know, how many PETA videos have you seen online of like cows in these industrial meat uh, warehouse, whatever, uh, slaughterhouses, right? And they're just in these crappy conditions and, and they're living such a horrible life. But that deer that's out in that field lives this beautiful wild life where, and, and I shouldn't say beautiful because wild lives are not beautiful all the time, um, right? They're actually- they're insanely like, savage. Yeah, they are. They're like cruel and hard, yeah. but it, but it lived this life that it was meant it was to live in the sense of absolute yeah. freedom and totality yeah. of, right. of a single being going out there living its best as it yeah. can. Connection to connect, sure. you know, in it's natural, beautiful environment. Right. And I kill it and, and, you know, it'll go through some suffering, but my goal is a quick, clean and ethical mm. kill. And that's all that we can strive for. And then I'm going to use that animal and as much of it as I possibly can. And I know exactly where that animal was when it died. And I know exactly how that meat was handled because it was handled by me. Right. There's all these things. And I, and I kind of explained it like that. And I, you know, I did this over the course. I I didn't, we didn't sit down in one night and hash this all out. Right. Right. And I think that's something too, is that, there's a lot, a lot of people think you're going to change someone's mind in one Facebook comment. (laughs) That's not how it works. It only works with authentic, real connection and relationship with the people that you're talking to. Like, I love my mom and she loves me. My parents love me. And, and that's why I was able to sit down with them and talk about this over the course of, you know, a long time and, and tell them why this was so important to me. And then it finally clicked for them. And, and like I said, and now like my mom is like my biggest cheerleader. She's the first person I send my grab and grin photos too. Nice. <laughs> um, and she always comes back with like, it's so beautiful. And the bird looks good too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Thanks mom. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, yeah. And I, and I think that's the thing too, is like, we, we can't be coming at people with hitting them over the head with all of this either. Exactly there's, right. there's a meeting in the middle about it and there's a, well, you don't do it and and that's okay, but here's where I'm coming from with it. And this is why I do it and why I love it. And it's through those close connections with people, I think that we can make the most change. Yeah, certainly in your very immediate universe, I think as individuals, we have the opportunity to affect the most change that way. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, getting on a megaphone and Facebook and stuff to death. I mean, it's it's white noise at this point. The medium's been around for so long. People are just scrolling past it. Anyway, anything over 
you know, if it looks like this on my phone, I'm I'm gone. That's a yeah. that's gonna take yeah. effort, and I haven't got it right Ugh. now because I'm so an busy. inch of text, forget it. <laughs> but that's yeah. the truth of it, right? I mean, it's true. Those of us that that kind of study uh, that that side of 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 business, it's like th- these are just true habits. Um, yeah. So you're exactly right, and you know, if you have the opportunity even to change mom's mind, I mean, that's one mind. And then who do you know? You know, now she's. You know, I use my in-laws. I found out very recently. I had no idea. Uh, we just celebrated their 50th an- wedding anniversary. Wow. And they had some uh, some colleagues of them, of theirs, uh, from work there. And they came up to me. Oh, you're the hunter. I don't know who these people are from a hole in the ground. I, uh, yes, yeah. I, I do. Oh, well, y- your mother-in-law talks about you all the time. I had no idea. And I sat oh back gosh. and I was like, that's freaking cool. Yeah. Like, I didn't know she valued that. Mm-hmm. It, it, enough to like tell her colleagues of you know 30 plus years that that, that meant something to me so to the point yeah. like I wasn't I have never actively tried to influence her opinion on it it's just it's who I am it's what I do it, I feed my family this is part of my my mm-hmm. lifestyle but it you know over time it, it obviously affected her enough that she as a point of emphasis and pride you know kind of bragged on her son-in-law the guy goes out that's there and cool. does that and that's cool that's so even, really yeah even if you don't actively do it, uh, you know, being a a good communicator and not, you know, not fulfilling these memes, like, like you said, the FUD meme goes a long way. You never really know who's watching and who it affects. Yeah. And I think too, for me anyway, you know, walking into like my local food co-op or whatever, I feel very comfortable walking in there with my camel on yeah. and then grabbing a few things because that's kind of how the culture is. Um, and, you know, I feel like I can kind of go in there, talk to the manager and say like, Hey, I'd love to do a wild game processing seminar here. And because I'm not like beating, they were, they're very receptive to that. They are shockingly perceptive to that. Although I shouldn't, I shouldn't say shockingly open to it. They, they are really open to that kind of stuff. And I, I think too, because I, I place people in these boxes too. I think the manager of a local foods co-op isn't going to want me to host a wild game cooking seminar Mm. here, but then I'm, I'm so pleasantly surprised when I ask and I say to myself, Oh my gosh, I'm doing the thing that I don't want people to do to me. I don't want them to put me in this little box. Like you said, we are so many things more than this one thing. Um, the guy and I have to remember that, that too. Businessman, right? So at the end of the day, yeah, they want to put cash in the till. Yeah, partnering yeah. with you guys is a great opportunity. It's a good business proposition. It is. We bring people <laughs> in, and people are people are so interested, and 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 I think people are so interested in food. Food is having such a moment right now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what cooking show kicked it up. Maybe the, maybe Anthony Bourdain, uh, no reservations or, or one he, of the, I, you know, I, I think he did a awesome, awesome service, you know, outside of the industry. Um, obviously Ranilla has done a mm-hmm. good job for years. Um, Zimmern, I've yeah. seen episodes of him uh, going out hunting as well and, and painting a very uh, modern, um, commonplace spotlight on it. Yeah. there are Cooking is having such a moment. Yeah, it's cool. And, and, and yeah, and it's such a cool thing to see. And it's such a cool thing to see wild food being 
part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of this, these cooking shows on Netflix and like you said, all the wild, the, um, wild game that you're, that you're seeing in those cooking shows are just really doing us a real service. And, and like we said, everyone connects to food. Everybody eats, even if you don't eat meat, everybody eats no. and they see this and they see that hunting is about the connection and about the community and about the food. And it just, it, that narrative becomes a lot easier to swallow too. It's, it's so it's so cool what's happening right now. And I think we really, as a hunting community, I think we really have to capitalize on that as best we can. And I mean, that's why we started doing Vermont Wild Kitchen. Food insecurity related to COVID. We were all bored. Well, I shouldn't say we were bored, <laughs> but we're all like sitting in our homes just yeah. doing telework and uh, whatever. And we're like, well, we're all at home cooking. So why don't we just film it? or put it on Facebook live rather. We didn't even film it. We just kind of did it live. Yeah. And, uh, and we're all just home chefs just doing what we do, uh, which is really cool. And we actually, we actually, I shouldn't say we're all home chefs because we do actually partner with um, Jesse lawyer, who is um, he's a chef at a restaurant in Burlington, but he uh he quarterly comes on and he shows us Abnaki foodways, right? Indigenous, indigenous recipes cool. with a modern twist, which mm. is so cool. He, he, he recently, um, shot snipe and was, and was cooking up snipe with local wild rice that he collected. And it was just like, this is. And half of Vermont went, so I didn't know wild rice was such a thing. Yeah. Right. It, oh my gosh. So it's so amazing. Mm -hmm. The indigenous wisdom and then all of the wisdom that we have as, you know, our like white community too, like it, all of this blending and melding. And it's, it's just an amazing learning experience and it's, it's so much fun to do. So you guys, uh, like you alluded to earlier, partnered with us, uh, especially during the, the, darker days of the pandemic. And, uh, mm -hmm. there was a series of great, I saw some, some recognizable faces uh, from my, yeah. my days of being a regional director on there cooking away. How, how was that received? And are you, are you guys planning to do like season two of it? Yeah. Yeah. So we did, we did part, some of our local chefs were, uh, were folks from NWTF yep. for Vermont wild kitchen, which we've loved. Um, and yeah, they, they are, I mean, Brett Ledoux is always invited to do anything and everything that he wants to do. Carter, we did a, um, we, before the pandemic, we did a wild game cooking seminar at the, uh, city market, which is a, a local foods co-op in downtown Burlington and Carter Heath from national wild turkey federation mm -hmm. came and he, he was like such a star. Oh my gosh. He is just one of the most personable. Upbeat. Don't say it too loud. He's, he's, his head's going to blow up. <laughs> no, go on. He'll, he'll love it. Go ahead. <laughs> he brought, and he brought his wife, Trisha too. Yep. And they are, they're just like cooking their stuff in the crock pot and talking about conservation. And isn't this delicious here? Take a taste. And 
frying up squirrel legs with this big smile on his face. And that was, that was so much fun. That was such a, that is such a great partnership and I'm so fortunate. And, and yeah, during the dark days of darker days of the pandemic in the beginning, we did this great, um, virtual series of hunting seminars leading up to turkey season. And it, it was just so much fun. Um, Morgan Govea, who's uh, our Vermont chapter president mm-hmm. of the NWTF, did um, did like pre-season, like how to get ready for pre-season. We had Bob Etzweiler, who is a member and one of our Hunter Ed instructors. Morgan's a Hunter Ed instructor too. Um, Bob Etzweiler talking about how to scout just using maps. And he showed us like Google maps versus like paper maps Mm -hmm. and Onyx and um, how to pattern your shotgun. And Brett, of course, was doing fantastic turkey calling, which I just like, every time I watch him, I'm just like, are you kidding right now? Like what, how do you make those sounds? I just don't, I will never, anyway, that's a whole other show, but yeah, it was so much fun. And then we, we kind of were able to sit down and have a round table talking about like the forecast and what we thought was going to happen during Turkey season and talk about youth season. And it was just so fun. And that I think honestly, some of the bright spots of the pandemic came out with those virtual offerings with the virtual Vermont wild kitchen and the virtual seminars with wild national wild Turkey Federation. I would never have thought to do something like that until we were pushed to, well, you have to do it. If you want any kind of relevance, you have to do it this way. And I was so uncomfortable at first, (laughs) but but it's so much, it's so much fun and it's so easy to do. And I think there's something great about that virtual format too, because it feels a lot more casual. It's accessible. Yes. It's so accessible. As long as you have internet access and either a phone or a computer, you can, you can get to it. And it's just us all talking and, laughing like at each this. other it's, mostly it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. unscripted relaxed i think that's what was really great about that series is that you know it was like you the the folks you've mentioned like they're authentic folks yeah none of that was a put on it's no. just they're motivated to do that because that's what makes them happy that's what you know feeds their soul and those people and genuinely enjoy returning that to people and if it inspires new people to get involved, either, you know, picking up a, a gun or a bow or taking it to the next level and, and getting a membership to yeah. the NWTF or another non uh, nonprofit, well, that's a big deal. And it, yeah. and, it, and it lasts and it perpetuates it. And then it gets a snowball effect. And, you know, we go back to what you're talking about with local communities, like a couple of people do that. Now they're bringing their friends or their kids along for the ride and the snowball Absolutely. gets bigger. Yeah. Or like you said, you have your mother-in-law bragging about the guy that hunts to her coworkers, right? I saw this guy on Facebook live and he was talking about hunting and that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The reach it's just, it's just really amazing. And, um, I highly suggest to anyone, you know, wanting to do some outreach or, or events, just, just what can, what do you have to lose with Facebook live? You, you don't really have much to lose. No. If it flops, it flops. And all right. In 24 then, hours, people have moved on anyway, right? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. So but it's a great it's, resource uh, library too, because I mean, obviously that stuff's yeah. chronicled and you have it and <clears throat> it much like this podcast continues to tell your story or put your message out there Yeah, and you're accomplishing other things or moving forward with something else. So you yeah. know, it's, it's great stuff to, it does the work for you, you know, after the yeah. initial efforts put in. Yeah. It's been a ton of, it's been a ton of fun. And you know, some of that stuff is evergreen, right? Like mm. the calling or, or how to use, uh, how to scout just with using maps Absolutely. or whatever, you know, but we can do that Turkey round table every year and talk with our Turkey biologist, Chris Bernier, talk with him about the forecast for Turkey season 2022. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just such a fun, it's just a lot of fun. And it, it really helped me too, because I was definitely starting to feel really isolated. Mm. Um, and I had a new baby at the time and I was supposed to be coming back from maternity leave and I was excited to start seeing people in person again. And then pandemic happened and I was told to work from home mm. with my child because child cares were all closed too. And yeah. I was like, Oh gosh, I don't know. But so it was, so it was really nice too, for me to feel some kind of connection yep. to people again too it was it was really it did so many great things <laughs> yeah no there's a, a lot of silver linings coming out of the last what now 19 20 months so yeah we'll take take the wins where we can uh, yeah in doing you know keeping on the the food train here uh, is it seasonal how you guys are setting this up because obviously up here in northern new england stuff gets frozen. So, you know, is there winter offerings or does the fall harvest kind of carry you guys through to spring where there's new opportunity as far as local foraging and, and things of that nature? Yeah. So we're trying to be, um, as far as like the learn to hunt programs and, and things like that. Yeah. Those in, those in-person things, we're really trying to focus on fall and spring mm -hmm. offerings, but we do offer stuff over the winter. Not, we have, we haven't done very much in-person stuff in the winter due to COVID just because, you know, regulations and changing caseloads and stuff like that. Um, but we do offer things over the winter too. I mean, we, we've offered like, um, clinics on working with pelts, Yeah, you know, um, that's, that's what came to mind, you know, ice fishing yeah. and trapping. Yeah, we do our annual ice fishing festival every winter. It's on free ice fishing day here in Vermont, and it's just so much fun. And we do cooking there too. Um, you know, ice fishing is a lot about uh, is a lot about community yeah, too, community. and who who you're who you're in that shanty with. You walk around to other shanties and, and see coolers? what do you catch it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fish. Right. I don't know if I can. I'm wearing my, I'm wearing my emblem right now. So I, I don't know if I can say just sit out there and put one for what it is. Those some who know, cold, know. Some cold milk. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, milk wiser. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the hard stuff, the chocolate milk. Very good. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, a, and it's a lot about is again, it's a lot about the food and the community and about like frying up, having a fish fry on the ice mm. when you're, when you're done fishing for the day. And we try to impart that sense of community in during the ice fishing festival as well. Um, which is, which is a ton of fun. And um yeah. Yeah. We're trying to think of what other winter things we can do this year that are COVID friendly. And a lot, like I said, a lot of them are, um, virtual offerings, but we are planning on doing some in-person stuff. We don't quite have our, uh, we don't quite have our 
ducks all in a row yet, but we're, we've been throwing around the idea of, um, a few years ago, we did a snowshoe hair hunt, um, which was, which was fun, but again, it was really small. Um, uh, and so we're, we're tossing around, like doing something like that again, this winter and, uh, and, and, you know, storytelling events too. We, we, with you guys again, and backcountry hunters and anglers, we've hosted a few pint nights, yeah. uh, at some local Great breweries. Event. Oh my gosh. So much fun because everyone loves a good story. That's what, that's what this is. <laughs> right. And right. We're, and we're getting ready to have you tell a, a, a personal story, but continue oh, with your, your thought. Cause I want to hear more about the pint nights. I mean, those have just been so much fun. And again, connection, community, food and beer too. Yeah. Um, you know, hosting them at local breweries and, you know, uh, I wasn't able to go to the one that we did in December, 2019, um, because I was having a baby, but, um, there was a great storytelling event that we did in December, 2019. It was like, have you ever heard of the moth radio hour on NPR? I have not. So it's a really great, oh, it's, it's so fun. The moth is a storytelling event where people, people just get up in front of a big crowd of people. They have five minutes to tell their story about whatever topic and people laugh, people cry. It's, it's just so, it's just such a fun community event. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we did. We did a hunting, fishing and foraging storytelling event. Sounds fantastic. Oh gosh. It was, it was just so great. And we did it in conjunction with, uh, you guys and our local backcountry hunters and anglers chapter. And all the reviews were just rave reviews. People just laughing and having fun and connections between hunters and foragers. And, oh, I wanted to learn how to hunt. Oh, wait a minute. You go ice fishing. Let's, let's talk about that. I think there's this intangible, piece that it's that community piece. Again, it's getting people in a room together, talking and connecting that just makes it. It's just, you can't fake that kind of authenticity and connection. Just like you said about like with Carter and all those other guys talking about how much they love Turkey hunting and, and, and stuff like that. Right. You can't, you can't fake that. And that's what makes it all so good. Yeah, exactly. Right. So Tell me, uh, tell me a turkey hunting story. Let's make a specific uh, fall oh, turkey hunting story. <laughs> so, so you recently, you recently went out uh, with NWTF as part of our yes. um, Beyond the Strut series. Yeah. And this was your first fall turkey hunting on purpose, right? That's what we often yeah. say around here is on purpose. Yeah. People, people are like, oh, I fall turkey hunt from my deer stand if it walks yeah. by. Yeah. Not yeah. a lot of people purposely go out like me or the guys you went with and cause you know, we're just ate up with it and like, I got to have it. Like this yeah. morning I ditched my deer stand to go watch a fall, a fall flock of long beards and this year's poults and hens all fight each other. It was awesome. It was fight club this morning. It was vocalizations like, like you never hear about. Um, and it was awesome. So tell me, tell me your story. How did that all come together? Well, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say this too. 
that I have your, I've never purposely gone fall turkey. I've gone out, I've gone out with my gun, with my shotgun, mm-hmm. like and a turkey choke in and like, oh yeah, I'm going fall turkey. I was not fall turkey hunting. I was just seeing what was up, uh, going for a walk <laughs> with my shotgun, right? Um, as we all say that we do. Um, I had never like really thought about seriously hunting the fall season because I had just always heard how hard it is to, to fall Turkey hunt. Mm. And, and, you know, and I, in the fall, I would rather be waterfowl hunting or so Mm. I thought until, until recently, (laughs) um, you know, and so Matt and Carter from, uh, the regional NWTF chapter, uh, the regional directors, um, they contacted me to be part of the beyond the strut. And I was, I was really nervous too. Cause I was like, well, I'm going to be filmed hunting. Like, I do not think that this would be a very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> like all that pressure, every, not only is everyone watching you, but then it's on film forever. For so all that, the judgy Turkey hunters. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was like, I was like, well, this is going to be on, this is going to, there's a record of me turkey hunting forever. And yeah. what if it sucks? We're going to show it at a convention that everyone's going to see. I'm going to enter it into film festivals. Yeah, I mean, sure. why the hell not? Um, right. So, um, so I was really, I was really, really nervous. And I, I called my friend Shane, who I, I told you about is our, uh, works with works with me on our Vermont wild kitchen. And, and I actually had been, Shane asked me to be his hunting mentor, uh, to which I said, I don't think that I'm a good enough hunter to be your mentor. And he was like, well, you know, more than me. And that's a start. And I was like, I guess I thought about it. And I'm like, what makes a good mentor anyway? Right. It's not really body counts. Right. It's not, it's, it's a passion for going out into the woods. It's a knowledge of what's going on in the woods. And it's, it's knowing a little bit more than the person that you're taking on. So, you know, so I, yeah, and a willingness. And, and I was really touched that he asked me to be his hunting mentor. Yeah. And so I I called him up and I said, Shane, you need to come hunting with me with National Wild Turkey Federation. He's like, what? (laughs) And I, uh, I said, yeah, we're going to be filmed fall turkey hunting. And he said, he said, all right, uh, I'm nervous. <laughs> he was also, he's also nervous. Um, he had only gone turkey hunting once before and it was with me. Um, and uh, we weren't successful the day that we went turkey hunting. But I mean, like we were successful because we did hear gobbles. Um, but of course they were not where I expected them to be coming from. They were coming from behind us instead of where I assumed they were roosting, which was supposed to be right in front of us. But anyway, yeah, of course that old, right. Um, so, um, so Shane got to my house at around 5. AM and we had about an hour drive in front of us to get to, uh, to get to, Brett, where we were meeting Brett Ledoux, who is going to be calling for us. And the night before, Brett posted a picture on Instagram of a fall, of a turkey that he shot. And I'm just thinking to myself, really? Dude. You shot you shot a turkey the day before we were all supposed to go out and get filmed turkey hunting. <laughs> I'm like, is this going to mess everything up for us? Well, you know, like, I should have known better that Brett had a plan. Um, 
but you know, I, I was, I was like, really like you, you just jinx, you just jinxed everything. <laughs> um, so, so I was a little bit concerned about that. And, um, I'm, uh, we're getting in the car and, uh, it is pouring rain buckets and buckets and buckets. And I'm like, well, couldn't, we couldn't have picked a better day to go, to go turkey hunting. I'm so glad mm-hmm. the whole week before it was like, 50, 60 degrees and sunny. And then Monday morning rolled around and it's just pouring buckets. So we're driving down the, we're driving down the highway and I'm hydroplaning up and down the highway. (laughs) I've, I've hydroplaned once before in my whole life. And I am, I'm, I'm like white knuckling my steering wheel. I'm like, well, we're going to die on our way here. Um, but (laughs) And then I also had to, I, when we're, we're driving too, I handed Shane my phone and I said, uh, can you double check that I have my turkey tag? Because I have a five-year hunting and fishing license. And so I don't even think about, I don't even think about buying it. Um, and I didn't go out spring turkey hunting this year, mm. uh, which was very sad, but mm. I was like, uh, can you? double check. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that in Vermont, we can buy our tags over the internet yep. and using my smartphone. And at what a world we live in that at five 30 in the morning, I can hand my phone to the passenger in my car and he can buy my Turkey tag for me. That was amazing. It's a lifesaver. Been there, done that many a time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a definitely a lifesaver. Um, and so we get to, uh, we get to the park and ride where we meet with Brett and Matt and Carter and, uh, Tyler, who was filming the whole thing. And, uh, again, pouring buckets of rain and we all load up into Brett's car and it's just dark. And there's all this, like, you know, there's all this like anticipation and my adrenaline was already like through the roof because of hydroplaning down the high, the whole way down the highway. I was like, how much more like amped up can I get here? You know? Um, and Brett's telling us about like, these are, these are surefire birds here. I see them every time. I know exact, I roosted them last night. I know exactly where we are. So we get to, um, this, this parcel of public land, um, down in the Heartland area in Windsor, Vermont. And, um, Brett's going to get mad at you for giving away his spot. So I'm not notice that I'm not <laughs> saying the name, area. this area. Um, I'm it's not saying the name area. of this area. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, we're going to walk like five, 10 minutes. I didn't realize that Brett is a mountain goat because he's <laughs> climbing up these hills. Like it's nothing here. I am huffing and puffing, mm. pouring rain. I'm like, I'm in decent shape. Like I'm not, I don't like, I don't know. I'm not like a runner. I'm not a, a but I'm a decent, I'm, I'm huffing and puffing. And like these, the Brett is like, just like, <laughs> like not a care in the world. Okay. If you are not from Vermont, that is the majority of the state, except for the Northeast kingdom where it's pretty forgiving. The rest of the state, you got to, what they say out West, you got to be in sheep shape. You got to be in sheep shape. So So people trying to kill a Vermont bird for their 49 start now. 
It's, oh my gosh, yes, start now with all of your gear on your back, in your, in your, uh, in all your turkey camo, you know, make sure you got your face mask on and everything, right? I mean, like, I'm, yeah. So, uh, so I'm huffing and puffing. We get to the edge of this field and we set up the blinds and we go sit in our blinds and Brett's like, all right, they're gonna, they're gonna come right in front of us. This is where they're roosted right here. Just be quiet and get your guns ready. Okay, great. And, and me and Shane like worked out who was going to shoot first. And then once the flock, um, uh, separated out, once they, once they all flew away, we were going to call them, we we're going to call them all back in and we were going to shoot another one. Right. So great. This is our plan. So we're sitting there for like two hours and nothing is happening. <laughs> Got my binoculars. I'm like looking like, do you like see anything? And it's just pouring rain. I'm like, I just don't see anything. And every now and then I would see this little gray squirrel running and I would think like, oh my God, a turkey. And I'm like, no, it's still that gray squirrel just running around and uh, it turns out the birds had probably roosted like a hundred yards down from where we were mm. because we actually saw them um, running toward us from like a hundred yards away. And Brett tried calling them in. Um, and by that time, the rain had subsided a little bit. Um, and Brett tried calling them into us and they called back a little bit and then they just went silent. Mm. And then it started pouring and we're like, ah, okay, well, they're not moving from where they, and then they disappeared, of course. And we're like, well, they're not moving. So we sat there for maybe like two and a half, three hours and we're just like wet and cold. And at this point, all of my adrenaline had gone out of me. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I was again, and then I was getting chilly and cold and, you know, and we were all just kind of like, you know, hitting, hitting that point of the morning where you really need to take a nap. Yeah. And, uh, and, but Brett wouldn't let us take a nap. He was like, all right, let's go. Where are we? Well, we're, I thought this was a surefire spot. He's like, I, we're going to drive. <laughs> okay, cool. I guess. And I'm like, I haven't even like, I'm still kind of feeling out of breath from that walk up here. <laughs> so we packed up all of our stuff and, um, we saw, you know, that's when the sun was out and it was gorgeous at that time. It was like maybe 10 o'clock in the morning by that time, nine 30. And, um, and boy, I'm so glad we hiked up and down those hills because there was just such gorgeous views of these, mm. of these, of this farmland. And you could actually see a little bit of like the town. Um, and gosh, those hills were a killer on the way back to the truck also, but at least now they had these beautiful views too. Yeah. And, just gorgeous and uh saw a bunch of uh bear sign too and um some deer sign and it was just it was just gorgeous um such a gorgeous walk and we got to the truck and we drove and uh there was a piece of farmland and I don't recall whether it was now I can't recall whether it was posted I don't think it was posted um but we saw a flock of turkeys in this farm field and they were walking toward the woods against a stone wall. They were walking along a stone wall into the woods. Mm -hmm. 
and just such a, you know, bucolic New England scene, right? To see a flock of turkeys in this pasture with a stone wall and and the beautiful rolling hills and just a little touch of foliage was left, that beautiful New England fall foliage, you know? And I was just like, ugh, I mean, this is just worth it. Yeah. It's for itself, right? Um, so, um, so we uh, we stopped the truck. We're looking at the the birds, and uh, you know, Brett was like, "This is our chance." <laughs> okay, great. Tactfully deploy, roll out. Get get ready. This is our chance. I said, "All right, do you want me to go ask permission?" And um, Brett is a very quiet, quiet guy, and I'm not a very quiet person. So I was like, "I'll I'll run up to the to the farmer and go ask him for permission." So I uh, I walk up to uh, I walk up to the to the, the house and uh, I knock on the on the door and. I took Shane with me too, because Shane has never asked permission of a landowner Mm. before. He's only hunted public land. So I thought this would be a good experience for him to like, see how easy it can be. Um, and the farmer comes to the door. Well, actually his wife came to the door and there's a a Rottweiler just like barking her head off at us too. And I'm like, hi. (laughs) She's like, she's not getting any friendlier, even though I'm like waving and smiling. Hello. And then, um, this woman comes to the door. I said, hi, I was wondering if we could um, chase this flock of birds that's in your field here. And she's like, oh, let me get less. <laughs> okay. Like, who's less? But okay. Mm-hmm. Less is her, less was her husband. And uh, Les came to the door and he's like, oh yeah, there's so many turkeys out there. Shoot them all. Shoot I'm like, all. well, <laughs> well, okay. Why is that always everyone's reaction? I know. Everyone's re- Yeah, shoot them all. Especially them on farms. Well, I have one tag, yeah. so not going to be able to shoot them all, but I'll help you by taking one. Right. I'll try, I'll do what I can here mm-hmm. less. And then, and then Lola, their dog calmed down and I'm, Oh, I'm a good girl. And then Shane commented on some, um, plants that were growing on his porch that are, uh, newly legalized within the last few years. Oh, that's and fun. They were talking about their plants. Botany, <laughs> this is- Botany is cool. <laughs> so um so yeah it was just, i was just like this is so vermont right this now is like so vermont that's what's so just coming vermont. out of my mouth this is so vermont <laughs> so uh so we so we we uh we run while there very good yeah right, yeah, right. <laughs> so we run back so we run back to the truck and we're like okay permission secured and then the adrenaline starts again because i'm like all right we're like on these turkeys now and they they've just disappeared into the woods but brett is very confident that he can call them out and if anyone is going to call them out it's going to be brett likely and uh the rain stopped and i was this this is it um so uh, we get out there. And again, let me remind you, we're being filmed this whole time, <laughs> which is so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, like, you know, like you're ever, I'm questioning my every move. Like, should I step over this barbed wire with my right foot first or my left foot first? So, you know what I mean? Like all these like stupid Everything things. in I'm your like, hunter egg curriculum yeah. is now flying through because if you don't do it, you're getting called right. on it. <laughs> Okay, Fred. Yes. 
So we preach to people that they should be walking into and out of the woods with blaze orange on. And I'm being ridiculed by someone for wearing my blaze orange. Turkey hunters don't wear blaze orange. Dude, dude, (laughs) I need to be, you don't understand. I need to be wearing this right now. Like you don't understand. (laughs) What a, what a nuanced level of uh, stress. I know. I know. I'm just like, I've never been this stressed out hunting before. So, um, this will be be great. I'm going to get fired immediately. (laughs) Um, so, so we, so, um, so we get to that stone wall that I was talking about that like beautiful new England stone wall. And, um, we set up against some trees and me and Shane, are, you know, maybe like five set set up five yards from each other. We're pretty close. And then the film guy, Tyler, and then, uh, Brett is, is a little bit back further from us and he's calling. And, um, I'm just looking out, I'm using the stone wall as a gun rest. And, um, I'm just looking out and I'm just like, man, what, how beautiful these rolling hills again, the foliage. I'm like, this is just outstanding. Um, this is, more beautiful, maybe more beautiful than waterfowl hunting, honestly. Definitely. Um, the, I mean the foliage, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it, it was just gorgeous. So, um, Brett goes, Brett, all I'm like reveling in all this beauty and like, just thinking about how like lucky I am to be out here. And then Brett goes, Brett goes, get your gun up. They're here. And, and I'm like, oh, all right. Like, I've got a, I've got like 10 minutes until they probably just came out of the woods. I've got like 10 minutes. So I, I bring my gun up and I start looking down the barrel. All of a sudden the turkeys are on us in, in like Brett said they were on us in 30 seconds. I'm like, where the hell did they come from? And, and there's like 15, 20, 25 of that. Well, I'm exaggerating. There was not, I don't think there was 25. There was probably around like 15, 20 turkeys. And I'm like shaking because I'm like, oh my God, this guy is filming me and he's going to film me shooting the gun. I'm like, what if I don't turn the safety off and I squeeze the tree? Like, you know, like all these stupid, (laughs) right? Like all those stupid things. And I I whispered to Shane, I was like, Shane, I'm going to shoot the one, like the leader of the pack and you shoot the one right behind it because they were pretty well out in front of Mm -hmm. all the others. Um. And he did not hear what I said. He looked at me and he like looked at me like, what? <laughs> and I could tell he like had no idea. But I couldn't say it any louder because they sure. were not, they were not 15 yards from us. So I'm I'm not gonna dare say anything mm-hmm. more or like even like move my body. And so I turned my safety off and uh I shot and um the flock busted up, obviously. And the one, the turkey that I shot, all of a sudden I didn't see it anymore. And I'm like, what the hell happened? And I'm watching the flock disperse into the woods. And I see this turkey trying to fly into the woods. And then I hear like a boom sound. I'm like, what the hell was that? So I had shot the turkey, but I had just injured it enough that it was not doing well. And it tried to fly into a tree and smacked into a tree. That killed him? No. Oh. <laughs> this is the turkey that I feel like wouldn't die. <laughs> Gosh. So I'm sitting there like, I missed it. 
I missed it. I missed it. And I missed it on camera. I missed it. And I missed it. And then it flew into the trees and it's gone. I didn't, at the time, I didn't realize that that boom was it hitting the tree. I just saw it flying into the woods. So uh, we walk over and um, it's not, the turkey is not looking good. Uh, it's like, we see it, we see it walking. Yeah. It's walking like really slowly. It's head down. I've never, I've never seen this before. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the second shot. And I stupidly thought to myself, how can I miss? Boom. I was too close to it and didn't get a good shot. And here I am again pissed at myself because all of this is being recorded pissed at myself that I've injured this turkey right. and I'm not doing right I am not doing right by this bird right now and I'm I I was so angry at myself like mm. I I was so I was I was so angry at myself and I was like how irresponsible can I be right to be that cocky to say oh it's so close there's no way I can miss and not actually do everything I could to deliver that quick, clean kill that I feel like is so important. Mm. Right. So, um, so it, it ran after I shot and clearly missed it. Um, and we're like blood trailing a Turkey. (laughs) I'm like, like what is happening right now? Um, and then we spot it uh, at the top of this ridge, it must've just glided up to the top of this ridge. And I would, again, I was just so pissed. I was like, Shane, kill it, kill it now. Like you kill it. I cannot kill it. And he was like, no, no, like it's your, it's your bird. And I'm like, I can't, I, I, I was Fred. I was just so angry at myself that I felt like I didn't trust. I didn't trust myself. You know, I've been there. I I know exactly. I, I'm, I actually have a pit in my stomach as you're telling the story. I like could I, know I that could, feeling. I I wanted to cry, mm. but again, there's someone there filming mm. me. So I and I don't know this person. Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to cry. I was just I was so I was so angry and I was so pissed at myself. Um and I said to Shane, I said, Shane, kill it. And it was Shane said he saw and it was it was in really bad shape and he shot it and killed it. And I said I said, Shane, that's your bird. We'll use my tag to tag it. And that'll be my tag. But, you know, you killed it. You, that's your bird. You can keep it. Um, and we thought about it for a few minutes. And he was like, no, no, that's your bird. You drew first blood. Like, that's your bird. And But I was, but I felt like I didn't deserve it. Quality you know hunt I mean? went down. Yeah, it really did. I get that. And, and to be honest with you, Fred, I was really debating on whether or not to be honest telling you this story because I was so ashamed of myself. That's a bummer. Well, there's there's value in that honesty, right? So, I, But that's what I was thinking is like, there is something to be said about everybody makes mistakes. It happens to everybody. A hunt is not, hunts aren't perfect. They never ever are, or very rarely are they. Right. And and it wasn't perfect from the beginning, pouring rain, the birds not doing what we, they were supposed to be doing at that first place. And then it just, and I was just. I've tried to kill turkeys in that state twice with the same guy. And I've missed twice. 
in the fall. Something about Vermont turkeys in the fall make you miss. Tapped out. I almost, I almost went back this fall, and I was like, I ain't got time. I'm not doing it. I'm not gonna. I'm not to gonna chase that dragon, man. But I gotta come <laughs> back because I still need my Vermont bird. Yeah, five so, or six um, years running. Crazy. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, yeah. I that was one of the worst feelings of my life. And then you know, it'll be interesting to see how the they decide to edit that. Um. Well, edit it all they like. The story's here now. And we're breaking yeah, news. <laughs> right. Well, for um, you and your profession, I mean, what you do, right? So you can relay stories from people third hand, you know, tell like lessons learned in the field. But when you when you actually learn those lessons, you know, they're poignant and they stand out and there's a different inflection in your tone and your voice when you tell these stories when you own them. So it comes from a different place. There's that ownership. Yeah. So for you, it's very valuable because when you're bringing on new hunters, like it's important that you understand the load that's in your gun because and I did the same thing with Brett. I had a, a, an advanced load. He called him in so close. I was basically shooting a deer slug at him at that point yeah. until the load opened up. Yeah. So you got to be cognizant of that. And these are valuable, valuable lessons to, to be able yeah. to hand people and make them understand like, I'm not just telling you this as a G whiz fact. I'm telling you because your, your, your ability to fill your tag will directly depend on uh, you employing yeah. some of these, some of these lessons learned. Oh so, yeah. So yeah. linings abound, but so I've seen yeah. the pictures, the bird's dead. You got the bird. It <laughs> the looked, bird died. It looked like everyone was happy. I mean, that's the thing at the end of the day, we were, we were happy and you know, um, it was a great, it was a, despite, Again, that's a learn it's it was such a learning experience. Um, and it was so beautiful. And I was with these people who I just respect and admire so much. Um, and it was just it was just so great. And I was just so grateful to be part of it. Um and it was like it was such a day from pouring rain and hydroplaning on the highway to <laughs> being soaked and hooking, hoofing it up and down these hills. And then to go up to ask this random farmer that we saw turkeys in the field. I mean, it was just such a, a just such an adventure. Yeah. It was such an unpredictable, beautiful, wonderful yeah. day filled with highs and lows. So poignant, like, but at the end of the day, like I just had so much fun with hunting. my friends. Yeah. Right. Perfectly right. perfect. Her, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And man, I am, uh, like I said earlier, like fall turkey hunting never really crossed my mind, but like that now is going hooked. to be something that, I, yes. Oh yeah. my God. It is so What's Vermont's much fun. Fall turkey season. How long do you guys have the shotgun hunt out, out there? It's like a week. Yeah. So um, same as New Hampshire. From a, yeah. It. From a Saturday to a Sunday. So that's even more um, pressure. Cause you, you don't got, you know, like Maine right. has the entire like fall season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it certainly makes it a lot more special Yeah. that way. Uh, you know, um, and I won't be discounting it ever, like I said, ever again. Um, yeah, just feel really lucky. And, and, uh, it's one, it's, you know, it's a one bird limit in the fall and it's, uh, but it's, uh, either sex. Um, but I shot, I shot a, I shot a bearded bird. So that was 
amazing. Yeah, that was, that was good, an amazing it was thing a good too. Looking long beard too. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. We are. I mean, blood trailing a turkey. Like, let's. <laughs> only like only to find out that the that. bird lifted off like yours did, but I didn't get to see it. It went into this craggy swamp. It was over in Maine because it was perfectly legal mm. and killed two birds. This is before they instituted their five bird fall or whatever it was. But before that, you had a two bird fall and you could kill them both at the same time. I ended up spring calling in a whole tom flock. And I, and I had lined up these two perfect, two perfect heads, nothing behind them. Everything worked out. Shot yeah. one. It fell down, shot the second one, it went down. I went to recover the last one I picked up, and the first one that was stone cold dead, I had never seen him run. All of a sudden, the bird's gone. So, where did this bird go? Oh and, my I, God. and I, and the bird's gone. I can't, I'm, I'm beside myself, stupid, and I'm blood trailing the bird, and there's feathers. I'm like, well, this bird's gonna die because I, I absolutely hammered yeah. him. Yeah. That bird did one last ditch effort, jumped off a ledge, and exactly what you said, probably just glided. Yeah. And I end up going down into the swamp and giving my best effort. I'm like, I'll never find this bird. I was yeah. heartbroken. Quality of hunt went from yep. super 11 down to like, yeah, maybe a four or five because I still got a nice, really good, uh, spurred bird. Yeah. But, it was a double and it was a legit double at the time. And I'd never done that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I've just ruined the whole thing. But again, lessons learned. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and like I said, I was like really debating not as last night when we were on the phone, I said like, what did they tell you about the hunt? Like, I wanted, <laughs> and now you know. I'm glad. Now I'm glad I don't, I knew nothing about it. <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah. 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 So that's why I, uh, I mean, and it yeah, shouldn't be taken yeah. as a bad look and anyone that, you know, <clears throat> I don't think anyone would hear this and think, oh, that's terrible because um, you're lying to yourself and anybody else around you. If, if you never, you know, if you've been turkey hunting long enough, especially yeah. if you go out spring and fall, I mean, weird stuff happens, man. It just, it happens. Oh, yeah. You were lucky that you were able to recover your bird, still make good use of it, yeah. utilize that resource yeah. and then come away with some, again, I think valuable information to, to pass down. And it's, uh, you know, there was nothing unethical about any of it. I mean, crap happens, man. Yeah, it's no, I know. Hunt. And like, yeah, I was, I was, uh, one of our storytelling events that we did, one of the pint night events that we did with, <laughs> excuse me um we did this back in 2018 or 2019 we did another pint night and um did a storytelling event and one of the most powerful stories um a woman named Jess Johnson um came from out west she's a friend with someone that I work with and she came to the event specifically to to talk hunting stories and um she's a really prolific hunter and is a uh, part of the Artemis sports women's hunting mm -hmm. community and, uh, with national, uh, wildlife federation. And, um, she came and she talked about a failed hunt and that failed, right. Mm -hmm. Where she wounded an animal and didn't give it a quick clean kill and yeah. how it made her feel. And to me, that was just so powerful because I feel up until that moment, the only hunting stories that I had ever heard were, the success stories sure. um, and the success stories are so much fun. Um, but I freak. think, yeah, but like you learn a lot, I think from the tougher stories. I think it speaks to the, the quality of the hunter that if you feel what you felt, you felt what I felt. And so many people that yeah. we know 
that you just get so down, so upset. And it's not because you didn't kill it. It's for the exact reasons we both just espoused. I'm not yeah. out here to injure. I'm not out yeah. here to torture me. Like I'm not here to cause undue stress and pain. I just want to have this experience, get it done and over with, and then do what's, you know, perfectly right. And utilizing yeah. that, that resource. Um, if you didn't feel bad about it and you just kind of laxed a days ago, oh man, I, you know, I shot this bird and then that sucker went off and he just bled like crazy. We never got it. We went and killed another one. Like, you know, then you sit back and like, okay. Um, yeah. What a jerk. You, you probably don't want to come out and do this again, but yeah, you know, uh, I don't want to, you know, there, there are those that do that and you know, whatever they're yeah. not featured here. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's, there's power in your honesty and I'm, I'm glad you shared. I'm glad I didn't know because maybe I would have dressed it up and talked around, but you know. Yeah. I was, like I said, like up until this moment, I was really like, what story do I tell? The right one, the, the story you did. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you shared it. Yeah. We're, I appreciate, I appreciate it. No, we're, uh, I can't, that's a fast hour and a half, man. Oh geez, yeah. We've sorry, we've been on for a long so, time. No, and it's normally the shows are that normally, but sometimes it, um, you know, it takes a little while to get to the same ninety minutes. This one was good, good content, <laughs> good conversation, and and we'll certainly, uh, you know, I think there's gonna be opportunity down the road to have you back on, and next time we do it in person, that'd um, be great. As long as the agency and <clears throat> COVID and everything is 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 cool with that, and people being. Uh, within confines of closed spaces. But if we can't do it indoors, we'll do it over a turkey hunt. Sounds great. Um, people want to get in touch with you. You are, again, the uh, hunter ed and outreach specialist. Specialist. Why can't I say that today? I'm actually the hunter. I'm actually the, uh, the hunter ed program coordinator. Coordinator. Now. So they need to update your title. <laughs> they do need to. Uh, that's part of the website updates that oh, we're doing yeah. but yeah yeah so they want to yeah people get in touch with you uh professionally or uh well that's pretty much the only way they get in touch with you right now unless they want to be a fan of yours after the movie comes out <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh well you'll have to talk to my agent yeah, so yeah. get a blue but... <laughs> check account and they can start following you uh yeah right uh i uh yeah you can you can get in touch with us uh www.vtfishandwildlife.com is our website. Uh, you can contact me directly at Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E dot Meyer, M-E-I-E-R at vermont.gov. Or uh, you can give us a call, 802-828-1193. That's the Hunter Ed program uh, phone number. And we'd love to chat with people about hunting, coming to Vermont to hunt, hunter education, um, we're, we're very fortunate that we are uh, a group of uh, fun hunters and people that love hunting. So we love to love to talk about it. So if you want to chat about whatever, I had a call for, uh, from a guy from who is coming to hunt in the Northeast Kingdom to hunt grouse. He's from Pennsylvania. Mm. And uh, he was asking me about where he should go hunting in the Northeast Kingdom. And I was like, well, let me tell you, how much time do you have? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so it's great. That's be my follow-up. So people outside of uh, New England, outside of the state of Vermont, if you're coming out here on an adventure hunt uh, for turkey or otherwise, uh, utilize that same contact. And Nicole will put in touch with the right subject matter experts of uh, whatever you're chasing. 
Yep, we'll do. We'll try to get we'll try to get you on someone on something. Yeah, anything <laughs> coming up for the uh, the agency? Any special events, year end stuff, in season stuff? Oh, geez. Um, Learn to Hunt Spring Turkeys is coming right up in April. Um, We've got the Yankee Sportsman Classic happening again after a one-year hiatus. It's going to be happening at the fairgrounds uh, in Essex Junction, Vermont, uh, where we have hunters and natural resource and anglers and folks from all over the country coming to uh, talk to Vermonters about hunting, fishing in the outdoors. And so that'll be in January. Um, Yeah, those are the kind of big things for right now, but we're excited for all the other really fun stuff coming down the pike. Oh, and of course, um, Vermont Wild Kitchen, which is our uh, monthly wild foods cooking show that happens on Facebook Live, um, facebook.com slash VT fish and wildlife or maybe vt fish wildlife oh shoot i'll get you that link and you can we'll, we'll find it either way link. you guys on the yeah. uh the gram and tiktok yet or we are on the gram very good uh vt fish and wildlife is on instagram not on the tiktok not on the snapchat uh we are not that cool yet neither am i i did snapchat i did snapchat a turkey hunt a few years ago which was a lot of fun uh, per- personally I did. Um, but, then it but right? uh, yeah, but then it disappears. It's gone, right. So what's the point? <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. So just kind of like, mm, down but, on Snapchat. Very good. Yeah. 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 Nicole, thanks so much for coming on the program. I appreciate you carving out some time for us today. Sorry. It wasn't in person, but uh, like I say, next time, uh, we'll make a point to get up there and maybe both of us will have nice clean Turkey kills because I'm still chasing it. I'll knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Good stuff. Next time, we'll we'll do it again. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Fred. Thanks again uh, to Nicole Meyer for coming on and telling her story. Uh, Great conversation. I'm certain we could have gone uh, longer. A lot of cool things happening in Vermont. So, uh, you know, if you're making your way to the Green Mountain State, either in the fall or springtime to – to turkey hunt or otherwise uh they got a lot of cool offerings so maybe plan your trip around uh, some of their neat events and you can see what you know in real real time what nicole was talking about uh certainly appreciate the the candid nature of the conversation and her sharing her uh her experience there this fall uh, as a part of the beyond the strut series doesn't always go as scripted or as planned so uh you know at the end of the day, everything, uh, you know, like she said, was done above board legally, ethically, and otherwise. Uh, they ended up getting their bird. But, you know, an important lesson to be to be taken away from is it happens to all of us, no matter how long you've been at this game. Uh, if you're an industry professional or otherwise, everyone has a, has a day or two in the woods that don't necessarily go the way we thought they would. And uh, it's, you know learning from it and being able to share those experiences. They're not all, they're not all made for TV. That's for sure. Nicole, thanks again for telling your story and, uh, and coming on with us folks. If, uh, if you're not keeping up with what's happening local in your area, please do please head to NWTF.org and the events page, see what's happening in your neighborhood. Plenty of things going on before the holidays, before convention, uh, January is a great time to uh, to get out to the uh, state awards banquets. Those will be coming up. So uh, 
look out for those. And yeah, I said it, we're going to convention. We're going to be in Nashville 2022. Make your Valentine's Day week tri uh, trip plans. If you're planning on staying at the big hotel, uh, book them now. I know we're over halfway full there. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to seeing, seeing the flock gather once again as we uh, get ready to embark on our 50th anniversary. Should be a good time down there. And uh, we're going to take the podcast down there as well. So we'll have a whole slate of guests for a, a few of the days there when the show's open. And uh, we'll more to come on that. But be looking out for that as we live podcast from the show floor of the convention and sports show. That's it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for bringing us along for your day or, or days. Maybe you're splitting this uh, this program up. But uh, hey, stay safe. Continue to have success afield. Enjoy the uh, the outdoors as we go into the holiday season. It's uh, it's coming to be Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it's a, it's a great time of year. So um, hey, enjoy. Be with the ones you love, and uh, be safe out there. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Yeah.